All right. Everything's good? Okay, good. We following you now. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. I am who it says I am. What it, what it says I am. Go ahead. I can do what it says I can. I can do what it says I can. I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. I know that. Faith comes from hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes from the word of God. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's give our baby a hand up of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Again, we always thank God for our children who take the time to learn that and come up and share it with us and the teachers who present it to them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, you know we've been in 1 Peter, Peter chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says these words. He says, but it is no shame. Somebody say no shame. No shame means no loss of respect or esteem or honor to suffer for being a Christian. So he said it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. So we praise God for the privilege, somebody say the privilege, of being called by his name. Amen? You may be seated. This is going to be our fourth and our final sermon in the series that we've been taught entitled, uh, I'm Privileged. Now I've said that this message wasn't intended to be about uh, cultural, uh, social, uh, conscious type message, but it was designed to show us the privilege that we have because of our relationship with God, because of our relationship with Jesus. And because of that relationship, we walk in a place and we stand in a place of privilege. Amen? And so when we talk about privilege, and we say sometimes privilege is regarded as a special honor or right or advantage available to a particular person or group. Number two says a right or immunity granted to a particular, uh, for a peculiar benefit, uh, advantage, or favor. So sometimes when we walk in privilege, it comes with certain benefits and advantages that other people don't have. And it's a set of unwarranted benefits, unearned benefits, excuse me, given to people who fit into a special group. Now, I don't know how you see yourself as a Christian, but whether you want to believe it or not, you fit into a special group. Y'all need to say man, Because everybody got an opportunity to be in this group, but everybody won't accept the invitation to be in the group. And so because others don't accept the invitation, you can't minimize the group. Amen. You've got to understand that you're privileged to be in a special group of people that can identify with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we call ourselves Christians. Now, I want to do some recapping because today's message is going to be difficult for those of you who come in on the tail end. So if this is your first message, you may not, want to, you may not go back and listen to the other one because today is not going to be the best one of the three, I think. So, and I'll tell you why in a minute. It won't be because I'm not going to read the word, 
but it don't be because of the subject matter. Amen? So in part one, we, we learned that we are privileged to have Jesus as our good shepherd. Y'all remember that? And we said we are privileged in knowing that we are into intimate relationship with him. And because of that intimate relationship, we, he is praying for us. He is interceding for us. And because he intercedes for us, that is a privilege. Part two, we learned that we are privileged because God granted us the privilege of repentance so that we could be saved. Those of us who are Gentiles, God granted us that privilege that we could repent and we could be saved and walk into eternal life. We learned that because of our faith, Jesus has brought us to a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand no longer as enemies of God, but we are friends of God and part of God's kingdom. And last week, we learned that it's a privilege to be able to give generously to support someone who is worse off than you are. And we ended that by saying that we are privileged to be members of God's family and citizens. Somebody say citizens. Citizens of his kingdom. We're going to tie citizens back in a little bit today. We are citizens of his kingdom, and with that privilege, now we can come boldly and confidently before God in prayer with the help and aid of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to conclude this message uh, by beginning the book of Acts chapter 5 where we look at what many consider to be the distasteful side of privilege. The times when we may have to suffer for the cause of the gospel and the privilege to be called by his name. Here we see the apostle Peter and John have been preaching the gospel. People's lives were changed, doing miraculous things. And as a result of that, the religious leaders became extremely jealous of them. You know, one thing we got to understand as Christians, man, we can't be jealous of one another. I mean, jealousy, jealousy is a detriment to the kingdom. No team can function when other players on the team are jealous of another player, of each other. Because it's hard to work together when you're envious and jealous of the people that you're working with. So right now, these people got jealous and they were angry. And what they did, they put them in jail. But that night, God performed a miracle. An angel came released them, and they told them not to speak anymore, but the minute they got out, they went right back to the temple and started preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. And now, so that end up, end up, they end up in trouble again, Cliff. And so now they are brought back before the whole council. There are about 72 religious leaders. And this time, they were so indignant, they said, hey, look, y'all better shut up and stop preaching in this name of Jesus. If not, we're going to kill you. And in fact, some of the council member Cliff wanted to kill them right down the spot because they had already been disobedient because this would be the second time they'd been given that warning. But in the midst of that, there was one Pharisee who had a voice of reasoning. And that voice of reasoning, for the moment, saved these guys' lives. But at the same time, they got a beat down. And instead of them whining, crying, and complaining, they will celebrate. They got a good whooping. That's almost like you whoop your child, now you get through whooping, they dancing. Ooh, I, because I feel like I got whooped for a worthy cause. Even though you whooped me, I'm... And see, what we're going to have to see and understand here is that sometimes when you go through things and you feel like you're getting beat down, 
in the middle of your beatdown, you got to find a praise. You got to find a way to give God thanks. You got to find a way to celebrate that you have been counted worthy in order to suffer for Him. You built, you are worthy enough to suffer for the cause. And what we're going to see, I'm starting in verse 34. It says, but a member, but one member, somebody say one member. You know, God don't need to work but through one person to get some things done. One member was a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Now, this guy was a powerful Pharisee. He was well-learned, well-known, prestigious. He had all those things working for him. This is the same one that taught Paul. This was Paul's mentor, uh, instructor, if we would say. So he stood up. He was an expert in the religious law and respected by all the people. You know, it's one thing to know something, but it's another thing for people to respect you for what you know. See, a lot of y'all know something, but that don't mean everybody's going to respect So you got to connect your knowability with your respectability. <laughs> you got to say, I know some things, but because I know some things, people respect me enough to listen to what I am. He was respected by all the people. He stood up and ordered that the men be sit outside of the council chamber for a while. In, in verse 35, we're going to see that, you know, the, his argument for the cause. See, now I saw in verse 1, at the first part of this, is that even amongst the enemies, God can have somebody that can work on your behalf. When you're going through some things in life, don't matter how many people is against you, as long as one of them that's in that group is for you, God can work through them to get you to where you need to be. And so often we look at the numbers and say, there's so many people against us, I'm just looking for one person that's going to be on my side. As long as he's respectable, he got no ability, he got credibility, and the people look up to him, we're going to be all. Look at verse 35. Said, then he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care of what you're about, what you are planning to do to these men. In other words, he's now coming in to give his argument why they need to listen to him. He says, now, some time ago, there was a fellow named Thaddeus who pretended, somebody say pretended, who pretended to be someone great. You know, anytime you pretend to be somebody great, you ain't great. Because if you're great, you're great. But if you got to pretend, that means you're being something you're not. But you can pretend and folk will follow you because they don't know how to discern great when they see it. And so he got 400 folk to join him in his pretense of being y'all got to know how and who to follow. Don't let people's words make you think they're great and they ain't got no works to go with the word. But there are people out there who are gullible and they'll just jump on any train going 400. Just jumped on him because he said he was great. He pretended to be great. He said that about 400 others joined him, but he was killed. And, as, and all of his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to... That means that they really wasn't following the movement. They were following him. So that when he get killed, the whole thing stopped, and they go somewhere else. See, a movement got to be more than one person. 
When you're trying to get a movement, if you want to sustain it, there got to be others who buy into what you're doing and what you're selling so that if you're not there, they will carry on the movement. So these folks was not in it for the long haul. Soon as he got killed, they scattered. And it came to nothing. Then it says, now look, after this, verse 37, at the time of the census, somebody say the census. You know, we do census in America every 10 years where we count everybody. And here they did census so they can keep up with how many people they need to tax. This was the Romans' way of keeping up with the population growth. So now we know that they got that many we done grew, so now we can afford to get so much more in taxes. And so as a result of that, there's always somebody who don't like paying taxes. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. People don't like to pay taxes. People run on their political campaign, no new taxes. They don't, nobody likes to pay the Bible ain't against taxes, maybe just overtaxing, but still, if you're a Christian, you ought to want to pay your fair share when it comes to taxes. So there was Judas of Galilee. He got the people to follow him. You know, if I started a no-tax pledge right now, I could probably get some folk on my side. I ain't paying another income tax. I ain't paying no more. I'm going to challenge the government. I ain't paying them nothing. I'm going to go to my folks who take out taxes and withhold nothing. Give me all my money. Make them come at me. Some of y'all, ooh, that sounds good. Tax, you know, I pay a lot of taxes. I want to be on your know. Yeah. And we're going to all end up in jail. <laughs> so he got people to follow him. And the people who followed him, but he was killed too. And all of his followers were scattered. The thing that we got to see, we followed somebody. Once he got killed, the people scattered, but instead of disappearing, they grew. So therefore, we got to understand that even though the enemy can scatter us, and that scattering, it should not cause us to disappear. You know, Jesus has been dead over 2,000 years, and we're still here today. Not because of Pastor Bolton, but because of... So I'm telling you, you're following a movement that is going to be here when you're gone. Somebody's going to carry on this gospel, and you might as well do your part while you're here now in the earth to spread it so that when you leave you know somebody's going to be sitting in your seat. Now look at his recommendation in verse 38. He says, my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely, out of their own, of, merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. I gave you two examples, and this is going to come out the same way if they're doing it on their own. You can tell sometime when you haul off and do something and you ain't even asked God. You just had this good idea hit your head and you ain't even know where it came from. You just done hauled off and did it. And then all of a sudden now when it flops, you're going to go back and say, man, did God let me down? No, you ain't even asked me. You didn't even ask me before you decided to do that. You just took it upon yourself with your own intellect. You didn't even seek spiritual wisdom before you made that decision. You hauled off and did it. Can I help some young people right here? Please, don't haul off and marry somebody. That's a serious decision you're about to make for the rest of your life. You need to go get a lot of counseling, a lot of deliberation, a lot of discussion, a lot of things need to come about. You don't just know what they, five days a week you can find a husband, something like that, show it's five days, every five days you get You're looking for somebody for the rest of your life. You 
better slow down. You better ask God and identify what you're looking for. But so often people so, get so caught up in the moment and they haul off and do it and don't realize you got to live with this person for the rest of your You better check them out thoroughly before you say I do. Because when you enter those things on your own, without God's assistance, there's a good possibility it ain't going to last. So he said, now look, they was playing these things on their own, and they were soon overthrown. But look here, he says, now, this is his wisdom to them, but if it is from God, you would not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. In other words, he was trying to tell them, if you're on the other side and not on God's side, it's a good possibility you're going to lose. And so apparently that got through to them. They realized, hey, we, we don't want to pick a fight with God. We thought we would just fight men. But when we make this connection that these men are operating in God's authority, then now when I fight them, it's like I'm fighting. Verse 4, to say, the others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Flogged is just another way of saying beating them. Kind of like, you know, enslaved. You got double beat. They're similar to that. Get hung up. They, the Jews, the normal limit was 40 lashes, but most of the time they'll stop at 39. Because they didn't want to be accused of killing you if you died on the 40th, la on the 40th lash. So they stopped one short of the requirement, so they'd be in good standing. If you died at 39, they, they, they conscience clear. We didn't give him everything he deserved. So I, I can imagine these guys got at least 39 lashes. You know, you don't have to be too smart to figure out if someone stripped you down and hung you up and hit you 39 times with a whip, that's a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty or, you know, brutal ordeal. That's something that is not going to be pleasant and painful and painless. And so what you got to see here is these guys went through that, but coming out of that, most of us come out of trials and troubles whining, We just went through a little something, some cliff, and we come out, oh, God took me through this, man. What kind of testimony are you going to be to somebody who got to go through the same thing you just came out of? I mean, they're going to be fearful now, man. When I get in that, God didn't do no more for you than that, and then now you want me to stand up and be strong in the midst of it, and you come out of it crying and whining and complaining, and you say you a child of God. So they accepted his advice. They called in the apostles after they had flogged them. Then they ordered them never. Somebody said never. never. Never speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. They let them go after they had beat them. And when them guys left, look what they did. This is a good example for all of us. When you're going through your little minor trial and you come through it, man, you ought to be a We really got to learn how to praise God when we're going through some stuff. And I mean talking about having a joyful heart, and I'm talking about having an expression of praise. Everybody shouldn't be able to look at you and know you're going through. You are. Are you looking for that sympathy and pity? Instead of saying, I'm going to go through like Jesus went through. While he was being condemned and beat on the cross, beaten on the cross, he had us in mind. And he endured the shame for us. 
And now we can't even go through anything for him without letting the world know, oh, I feel so bad for Lord. It's time for us to praise our way through some of our troubles. And then we get out, we continue to praise him. Amen. So look at this, verse 41, it says they let them go. And then in verse 41, it says, the apostles left the high council rejoicing. Somebody say rejoicing. That God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace, the loss of respect, worldly honor, for the name of Jesus. Now look at this. They leave there from the world's standpoint. They, they should have been disgraced, sad, pitiful, because you don't got beat down in front of everybody. Now everybody know y'all done got a whooping and all that. And them guys were so glad. I want the world to know. Because I'm not ashamed of what I got for who I got it for. Yeah, but hear me today. He said, we're not ashamed. We're not going to let the world win on us by letting them know that we are ashamed of Jesus. And see, there are some Christians today who live their life, they live it like they are ashamed of Jesus instead of being glad to be a part of him. How do we know we're ashamed? When you leave here and we never talk about it. Never. On Sunday, we expect to talk about it. Because it's Sunday. But what about Monday and Tuesday? Wednesday got to talk about them. I tell you this all the time. When, when, when we were young and in love with folks, we talked about them. You know, all the time, everybody knew when I fell in love with Lady Jeanette. Everybody knew. So don't talk about them. Talk about them. And see, now y'all ain't even got to talk. Y'all can text about them. Y'all can do all this stuff. The minute y'all find a little boyfriend, girlfriend, You know, he finally spoke to me. And you come to church and the Lord speaks to you every Sunday. And you walk out of here and your thumbs go numb. <laughs> Which means to me that you may be ashamed to talk about what you learned. And talk about who you learned about. You've got to represent him when you leave him. Now, how do I know that? Because verse 42, let me know that when they left that, this is what they did. Look here, verse 42 says, and every day, somebody say every day. That don't mean just Sunday. Every day. In the temple, in public, and from house to house. They continue to preach and teach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the that's your message right there. Somebody said, I don't know enough about the Bible to carry a conversation. They didn't preach one message. Jesus is the Messiah. That means he is the anointed Savior of the world. He came to die for your sin. That's the only message you need. If you don't know all the 66 books of the Bible, I'm going to give you your sermon right there. You can leave here. Put that on your Facebook, your Instagram. Put it on your Twitter account, whatever it is. You know, here's my message. Jesus is the Messiah. He died for my sin and your sin. And because of that, I love him. You can get that in less than 200 characters. So that'll fit your Twitter, that'll fit any of your accounts that you got out there. Just, and then if you want an Instagram, you can get out there and do your little dance with it. Jesus is the Messiah. 
that's for the young people, because you old folks ain't got no business doing it, because you, you may get hurt trying to. We're going to stick to the Facebook and, and our thumbs on the text. Amen? He says, now look, they both taught and preached. So there is a difference between teaching people and preaching people. And sometimes you ought to do both. Especially in a setting like this, you got to do some teaching. And the reason I do this like this and make y'all laugh a little bit, because it's easy to accept hard teaching when you're laughing. You know, you can kind of swallow the castle a little bit better. Put a little sugar. You know what I mean? Still castor oil. But because you were laughing, it felt a little bit better. So there's nothing wrong with teaching, but there's nothing also wrong with good preaching. But we just going to preach your socks off. Amen. So by the time I get through with it, you're going to be, yeah, let's, let's go tear down a wall. Because, you know, I'm, I'm exhorted, I'm encouraging, I'm shouting, I'm doing all that because why? I want you to feel something like I feel something. So I raise my voice a little bit. And as I raise my voice and walk towards y'all a little bit, y'all know, hey, he's emphasizing. See, we're still talking about suffering, and y'all laughing with me. We just got through talking about somebody that got the beat down. And these guys are celebrating because they got the beat down. But let's go on to the next one. Go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And when I start reading, I'll read verse 27 through 30, but I'm going to just explain a couple things. In this passage, the Apostle Paul reveals to us that we have been given the privilege in Christ coupled with the privilege of suffering with Christ. Now, we've been given the privilege to be in him, but at the same time, we've been given the privilege to suffer for him. And Paul reminded the believers, now the reason he had to say this to this church is because the Philippian church was a good church, but they was going through a lot of persecution. They was being persecuted all the time. People was coming against them. And because people were coming against them, their faith started to wane a little bit. So he was trying to encourage them, hey, sometimes if you're going through, it ain't always for sin. It's different if you're going through because of sin, but you're going through for righteousness sake. You're going through because you stand up for Jesus. And when you go through because you stand for, up for him, then that's good going through. And so he had to let them know that even though they was going through and even though they was suffering and even though they had hard time, he wanted them to know, hey, just because you're going through, God has not forgotten about you. And you got to see it as an honor and a privilege to be able to go through for his cause. You know, we're blessed to live in America where we don't suffer a lot of religious persecution like in some countries. But the worst you're going to get is somebody going to call you a name or say something. And then depending on, you know, how strong you come at folks, sometimes they may do some crazy stuff. But most, for the most part, ain't nobody killing folk here in America for their religious belief. We just got to worry about folks talking about us. And then every night, like I said, some churches have been bombed. Some, you know, synagogues and people religious, for religious reasons, have had hatred against church. But for the most part, the persecution that we go through is kind of chattel. You know, ain't nobody, I mean, you know, I've been with the Lord for a long time now, you know, 35 some years. Ain't nobody slapped me for the cause. Just because you're a Christian, I'm going to just. But you don't have some folks talk about you. Call you some names. 
tell us what you believe. Even talk about you go in church, you stay too long. I can't believe you go there two, three days a week. That's just too much church. Y'all must be crazy. Don't take all that. They're just talking about you. They ain't hitting you. They're just talking about you. And you know, sometimes that gets to us so bad that you begin, we say, yeah, you know, I've been in church too many times this week. I was going to lie with them. Down. The Bible said, no, no, no. No, you got to rebuke that. I just told you, these folks did something every. Now, Pastor Bone ain't finna start a seven day a week service. You know, so y'all to get up here. I said, look, when you leave here, you got to do something with the Bible. You just can't keep coming here and, and getting fed and then never burn off the energy. If you don't burn the energy off, you're just going to be a fat Christian. Full of the word, full of the word. I mean, word all in you, just, just in you. You just think, word, 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 word. But you ain't burning none of that off. I'm talking about fat in the word. I ain't talking about nobody. You know, I'll be in that category. Every time I, I get embarrassed when I go to the doctor every year, and that, you know, they give you that test for percentage of body fat, that's embarrassing. <laughs> just, just flat out embarrassing. So you know I ain't talking about nobody personal. So don't take it that way. But I'm just talking about when you come and get feed on this word, get this word coming in up, and we walk out here full, man. But we got to burn that energy off. It does us no good to store it up and nobody know what we learn. So he was trying to encourage them that even though they were suffering, they should not allow that to keep them from doing what God called them to do. In verse 20 of this chapter, he says some words that, that, is, that is powerful, because about his suffering, but then in verse 27 through 30, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, but I just want to read what he said in verse 20, and I'll skip down. He says, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. He says, my expectation and my hope that no matter what I go through, I don't expect to be ashamed of the Lord, even in the midst of what I'm going through. Even in the world is piling up on me, stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff. But in the midst of that, I hope that I'll never be ashamed. But that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live. Now he wrote that when he was on death row saying, I wish I could be there with you all, but I can't be there because I'm in prison myself. And whether I live or die, it's going to be a win for the Lord. And sometimes we're not there yet. I, you know, we're not there. Well, I don't think many of us can make that statement, whether I live or die for the cause of Christ, I'm still on his team. But that's a mindset. You got to have that mindset. I don't already put you at ease. You can say that in America. Ain't nobody going to normally, ain't nobody going to kill you for that. So you got a privilege and a freedom that other people around the world do not have. People in China have to meet underground to have church. We can meet openly in the public, and if we're scared, we can put a cop outside the door. Let me go ahead and read verse 27. Look at this. I'm going to go 27 to 30. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Somebody say citizens of heaven. 
Well, now, that goes back to what we talked about last, about citizenship. He said, now, even though we're here in the earth, we got to live like we're citizens of. I was reading an article that said there were some people who were from America, and they were visiting London, Great Britain, whatever, and they were riding the bus over there, and they was acting typical like, you know, we do sometimes. They were loud, cussing, just carrying on and on and on. And the people on the bus say, one thing we know for sure, they're not citizens of London or England. Because we don't conduct ourselves like that. And this passage is saying, hey, when they look at us, they should say, I know these people ain't citizens of this world. Because they don't carry themselves like the world. They carry themselves like they represent somebody higher than this world. They carry themselves like they are citizens of heaven. Look at this. He says now, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a worthy manner or a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. Worthy. we got to conduct ourselves in a worthy manner. And that's a question that we got to ask. Every day we ought to ask ourselves, am I conducting myself in a manner that is worthy of the Lord? You know, am I showing qualities and characteristics? That's what he's saying. Do they line up or are they consistent with him? And if I do that self-evaluation every day, then that'll give me a better idea how I should be living as a citizen of heaven. And every now and then we have to put ourselves in check because we can live like we're here on earth. And we get influenced by the things around us in the earth and we start acting like earthlings. Amen. When we are heavenly. And you know, we don't act that way because we're trying to get to heaven. Cliff, I act that way because my name is already... My name is already written in heaven. So I'm not acting this way to get there. I'm acting this way because I know where my name is already there. I'm already a citizen. And I got to carry myself like I'm a citizen of heaven and not like I'm a citizen of earth. He says, a man of worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that we are standing side by side fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. In other words, Paul said, this is a team effort. It takes cooperation. We got to cooperate with one another. You know, being a Christian is a team sport. It's not like tennis, unless you're playing doubles or something like that, or golf. You know, you may have training and all that, but when you get on the course, it's you. You. And so, but, you know, being a Christian is a team sport. Football, baseball, you know, hockey, where a lot of people got to play together. And if people don't play together well, somebody can get hurt. And then it's even worse when they hurt each other. It's, it's different when the other side crack you up. But when your own player hits you with a blind side. Because we both be fighting side by side. I ain't, I ain't looking to my side and think I'm going to get hit from over here. Because Cliff over there. Latham over here. I'm just looking at the enemy. But while I'm looking at the enemy, Cliff just bam. Where did that come from? <laughs> I, I thought we were on the same team. The enemy done got the cliff. cliff. Cliff done hit me when I wasn't expecting it. So what I'm trying to tell you, it's not a good feeling when you're fighting with teammates that you can't trust. Marriage is not a good experience. 
when you're married to somebody you can't. Before you young people get married, you better make sure you can trust that rascal. And sometimes trust takes time to verify. You know, it takes over a period of time. You may not get it in, you know, two or three months of knowing. Take some time. Get some information on them. Run a background check. What's your $25? I'm just trying to help somebody. Because folks will lie to you now. So get enough information that you can just do a $25 background check on them. But pastor, I love them. I know you love them, but trust them at the same time. Because once you come down the aisle, then now it ain't that easy to turn it off. So you need to know what you're getting into on the front end so you can make sure you have a good time on the... Put the work in up front, and you won't have to worry about all that labor on the... You're going to have challenges because all marriages have challenges. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, just like he's saying here, like sometimes you got to realize that when you're fighting with somebody that you're ma- fighting with someone that you are married to, I mean, y'all fighting together as a team. As a team. Man, how can we live in the same house and fight all the time? Well, go back and read the lesson, Pastor. You're talking about worthy. Paul said, we're fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Now, look here. Now, he said, when you're in this fight, the first thing you got to do, Cliff, you can't be scared. You already know how the game come out. You know how the story ends. So why are you afraid in a fight that you know you win? Man, the enemy going to come at you. He's going to throw stuff at you. But you, you already know. And because you know how it's going to come out, you shouldn't be intimidated because you're going through. You ought to expect it. I'm going to say that later. Look here. He says, verse 28, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemy. In any way. By your enemy. This, see, when you don't get scared and you're not intimidated, that would be a sign to them. Look at this. This would be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. Not because you duck your tail in between your legs and ran, but because you stood strong on what Jesus said going to happen in the end, and you stand up and they'll get the picture that, hey, the average person would have been running now, you still standing strong, and you're doing all you can to stand, and you still standing, look here, that may be a sign that I ain't going to win this fight. I better go ahead and pick on somebody else over here because Adrian's standing strong. She ain't back down at all. So guess what? I'm going to go fight somebody that got some back down in them. And I can always find a back downer out there because when they get scared, I'm going to just keep walking all. The enemy is supposed to realize, Brother Wilson, who's on your side. And when he get that real, realization of who's on your side, then it ought to put fear in his heart like the Pharisee had just told the other boy, hey man, you may be fighting against that they are being destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Now look at this, verse 29 says, for God has been, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, 
but also the privilege of suffering for him. I got to trust him, but then once I trust him, I got to see privilege in suffering too. See, this part of what I've been preaching about privilege, I know privilege don't resonate with everybody because nobody want to suffer. Nobody want to go through for the call. But look here, don't you know even in the world, people who are privileged, they have to suffer sometimes? Don't you realize the Kennedys suffer because of who they are? They got to be careful that whenever I go out in public, somebody's watching me, somebody's trying to get that picture, they're trying to get that snap, and because of that, if they catch me doing one little thing, they know that I got a picture now that I can use to get rich out of. So it's suffering when you can't even go out in public without everybody trying to follow you around, talking who you are. That's suffering. But now we got to say, hey, we don't mind that type of suffering because we're saved. We, we understand that it comes with the territory. And therefore, because it comes with the territory, I expect it every now and then. And when you expect something, you don't have to be blindsided by it. I'm going to show you that in the next passage. You don't have to be blindsided by it. So now look. We are in this struggle together, verse 30. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. In other words, while I'm writing you this letter, I'm going through right now on my own. And I've taken time out of my life, and what I'm dealing with these Romans over here, and guess what? I think enough about you and where you are in your struggle to let you know that, hey, I'm, even though I'm not there physically, spiritually, I'm right there with you. Because we're in this thing together. Don't you know when you're under spiritual attack, geographical location don't stop you from being attacked? This is spiritual warfare. You can be right here going through, and there's somebody over in England going through. There's somebody in Georgia going through. Because the enemy don't care where you are standing geographically. You've got to understand warfare is taking place somewhere in the body of Christ. And we've got to learn how to identify with others who are struggling and going through, even though we may be doing okay right now. So it's a privilege to suffer for the Lord, to go through some things for the Lord. Now, this last verse, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm, I'm done. I read this a couple weeks, well, maybe a couple months back when we were talking about Jesus worth the risk, and I had a different emphasis then. Now I'm going to put the emphasis on the, the privilege aspect of this when I get down to 16. So I'm in 1 Peter chapter 4, my last term, where we found our text. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'll start reading now and, and read it with a different leaning now that we're talking about it from the standpoint of privilege to be called by his name. He says to them, Peter, as he was dressing, addressing them, he was letting them know that, hey, dear friend, don't be surprised. Somebody say, don't be surprised. You know, if you're not surprised about something, that means you, can, you was expecting it. Only thing catch you by surprise is things that you're not expecting. And when you're expecting something, you act differently. If I knew my camera system and told me that a burglar is in the house or somebody in the house, I ain't going to walk in there and act like I'm surprised and let that rascal get to jump on me. You see what I'm saying? Either I'm going to call the, you know, 911 or I'm going to go get the horsepower where it's here, that in the garage somewhere, you know what I mean? So, 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 the, so that when I go in, I ain't going to be surprised. I already know he in there. 
So therefore, I'm expecting some opposition once I walk in on it. And so what I'm trying to tell you, if you know you're in a fight, you shouldn't be surprised when you get hit. I can't believe I joined church and the devil slapped me. That's because you were surprised. You didn't expect it. You joined expecting. Don't you know some suffering takes place right in the church? We can be cruel to one another sometimes. Right in the... I shouldn't have to expect it, but the Bible tells me I should. Expect persecution. So therefore, when it comes, I'm not blindsided to the point now I want to walk away from my faith as if, hey, Jesus let me down. No, he's telling you right now. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange is happening to you. You are not so unique that you're the only one got that issue. There are other people going through some stuff too. And so therefore, don't act surprised because now you're expecting it. I'm expecting a fight. I'm expecting these things. And if they don't happen, that's okay. I'm better off because I got peace of mind. I'm glad it didn't happen, Cliff. But if it had happened, I would have been, wouldn't be surprised. A lot of people lose their lives because they get so surprised. We ought to drive as if we expect somebody to hit us. Why did I say that? Because that means I'm gonna be, I ain't gonna get, I'm gonna be alert. I, you know, I'm expecting to get this guy gonna come over in my lane. So if he decides to come over, I see I got enough room over here. I'm going to just ease him by. I'm going to hit the brakes. I can, I can just tell. I'm expecting it. This guy coming up behind me too fast. I'm expecting If he don't break, I better either get out of the way or I better speed up. I need to do something because I'm driving expecting. Now, I've been driving a long time. I ain't never been in. Well, I did have been in one accident, but it wasn't my fault. I was sitting there <laughs> at the light, and I can't, I can't lie to you. I was standing still, and I didn't expect to get hit at a little turn this thing, you know. But when I saw that big old car coming at me, I said, whoa. Life was in slow motion. Did you hear that? That moment was slow motion. Parallel. Couldn't move. Because I was not expecting to get hit. But I'd have been sitting there expecting to get hit. The minute I heard that sound, I would hit the gas. Boom, get on out of the way. But I went, I'm just sitting there losing this side of the field. Come out the back gate of the field. Nobody's going to hit me right here. Expecting. And so what I'm trying to tell you, you got to live as if you expect to get hit every now and then. And when you do, then your mindset is entirely different. You won't feel like the victim. I'm just going through poetry. You're in a fight. And guess what? Now let me just flip the script just a little bit. I've got to move on. It would be even stranger if you're in a fight and you never got hit. You never got a punch thrown at you. Then right then, Faye, I'm thinking, you on the other guy's side. You on the other guy's side. You ain't never went through for nothing. You ain't, the Lord, you ain't never went through and then He already got you on his team. Why would he hit you? You his teammate. Even the devil, the devil know a house divided can't. Verse 13, he says, instead, be very glad, for these trials make 
you partner these trials that we go through, make us partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have a wonderful, have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So now this suffering brings about a joy of expectation that when Jesus comes back, I'm going to see him as he is when he's been revealed. So therefore, that's a privilege that I have that everybody ain't going to see him like I'm going to see him. And I, this suffering allows me to know that, hey, when he comes back, I'm going to be in good company. Because I'm identifying with him now, I'm going to be able to identify when he comes. Because he told me if I suffer with him, I'll reign. Then verse 14, Brother Pee Wee, he said, look here. So be happy. Somebody said, be happy. When you are insulted for being a Christian, be happy. Be happy. When you are insulted, you ought to wear that as a badge of honor. Man, they talked about me like a dog because I'm saved. Oh, I'm happy. I'm rejoicing. I'd rather for them to talk about you like a dog for being saved than for them to talk about you like a dog for being crazy and doing some crazy because whether you're saved or unsaved, somebody's going to talk about you like a... Either way, somebody's going to talk about you. And if they got to talk about you, let them talk about you for being So we're happy when we are insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious spirit of God rests in us. In other words, he come along inside us and help us get through those times. Help us get through the time when people are talking about a saying thing, insulting us, when those trials come in our life. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us through those times. You're not supposed to go through those things alone. And if you don't know that, then you need to call on him when you're going through. Because he's there. But if you don't know that's a privilege that you have, you will go through and think, I'm all by myself. Woe is me. You know, John didn't call me that day to cheer me on. I didn't get a call from my tribe leader. They, they forgot all about me. They might forget about you. But the Holy Spirit is with you. Yeah, I want them to call you. But they got lives too. And when their lives get upside down, they ain't thinking about you. They got to deal with life that's coming at them. So you got a privilege that you need to take advantage of when you can't get in touch with somebody else. You got to know that, hey, Jesus promised me that this spirit is going to rise up on the inside of me when I'm going through for his call. And so I got to expect that. Because he's going to rest upon me. And look at this. He says, now, he come back with an if here, which causes us to have to examine our lives to see why we're suffering. See, when you're going through, the first thing you need to do is do a little quick self-examination. Am I going through because of what I believe about Jesus? Or am I going through because of something I did? Because if it's something I did, that ain't a privilege of suffering for Jesus. You can't put that in the same category. Because if you went through, going through something you did, then you may be just getting what you deserve. Well, this is what he says. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder for stealing and making trouble or prying into other people's affairs. You didn't come to the Lord and tell me, Lord, help me because you've been gossiping about somebody and all of a sudden, Lord, I'm, I'm, just, I'm being persecuted. No, you ain't. 
that ain't godly persecution. You, you suffering for what you done did, what you done said. Don't get the two mixed up. So when you start playing your suffering card, you got to do an evaluation. Why am I suffering? I, I'm keeping with the marriage theme since I got that a bit. I don't know how. Why am I suffering in this relationship with my wife? Before I go and try to say I ain't doing nothing wrong, I need to figure out what did I do? Because it wasn't for righteousness' sake. He found some numbers on my phone that wasn't mine. Now all of a sudden I'm going to come to Jesus. Oh, Jesus. No, no. You got to own up to that. Somebody. Hey, they ain't got nothing to do with righteousness. If, if, if they name on your phone, your wife ought to know who on your phone. Shouldn't be no blocks on there. So if she find your phone, she can just go through it and see who all you've been talking to. That's privacy. That's privacy. You married now. That was privacy when you wasn't married. Now you married. You, you, y'all, some of y'all married. Y'all got to keep y'all phone with y'all all the time in your own house. You got you to gotta, you go, go to the bathroom. You got to take your phone with you. So you scared your wife may take it. What kind of relationship is that? I'm trying to help somebody because I know married folks out there going through this foolishness when they're supposed to be one in the Lord. So if you suffering because you've been talking and prying in other folks' business, don't put your name on the prayer list for that. <laughs> That's no prayer list, of, you know. Man, they, they, they gossiping about me out there, so get me up. But it's a good possibility if they gossiping about you, you've been gossiping about somebody. And you're getting what you deserve. Somebody who's sick and need that prayer need to be there. What you need to go is go repent and tell God you ain't going to gossip no more. I'm just telling y'all the truth. Adrian, don't worry about your prayer. The line going to go up now because they're going to know better. It ain't going down. <laughs> Last verse, the emphasis verse. After he says all of that, then he comes back and says this, but it is no shame. Somebody say, no shame. Man, it's not a, no shame at all. None to suffer for being a Christian. And we can't be ashamed of Jesus. I mean, we got we to gotta honor him, man. We got to wear him like a badge of honor. People ought to know you are saved. They ought to know that Jesus is Lord of your life. That shouldn't be no secret that you're keeping, that you can walk in your office for five years and nobody got a clue that you saved. I was really surprised when I found out that they go to church like that or they go to mother Lord. Why was they surprised? Because you probably carry yourself like a citizen of earth instead of a citizen of... They were confused where your citizenship was. They thought you wanted them. So he said, there's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. And what we're supposed to do? Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Man, that's a high honor for us. And we ought to praise God because he has given us the privilege to be called by his name. A name that is above every name. And you got to see that as a privilege. And I said this before, but get this. The name of Jesus is a deal breaker. 
You can be talking to people about spiritual things all you want, man. These kids now talk to you about spiritual things all day long. Because they all believe in some spiritual power, some force, something out there that's an energy out there. We can't see this unseen energy. You know, it's the black world out there, that that energy. So you ain't going to have no argument as long as you're talking energy to energy. See about right there, okay, we got some energy. You know, I can feel your energy. I hear even some clear. I see your energy just doesn't change. What? Okay, okay, my energy doesn't change. But what I'm trying to get you to see, as long as you talk at that level of energy, and just because you talk spiritual things, you ain't going to upset none of these young folks. Because they believe in spiritual things. They ain't going to have no problem. They believe in spiritual things. They believe that there's a spirit out there. But when you narrow it down, you can't even offend them when you just use God. Because a lot of them would acknowledge Yes, we believe that there's a God out there. There is some being out there that's ruling and running everything. But then when you say, do you think he got a son named Jesus? That's when the conversation is going to change. Because now you narrow me down to a specific group of people. I don't want to identify with just one group of people. I want the latitude to identify with everybody. This privilege is not about you identifying with. I'm done. I ain't got nothing else to say, man. Give the Lord a hand, cup of praise. You're part of a special group of people, and we got to carry ourselves like we're part of a special group. We can relate to people. We know what they are. And it's not telling us that we segregate ourselves from the world. No. That's a, that's a battlefield. We got to go out there and minister out there. But at the same time, we ministering out there, we don't forget where we're from. We act like we know where our citizenship lies. Amen? Every head bow and every eye closed. I got several appeals for you. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're here or online and you never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to extend the invitation to you. You can either raise your hand if you're in the house or if you're online, just send us an instant message to let us know or give us a call at our number, 850-862-3899. Truly, we'd be glad to have a prayer with you and introduce Jesus to you in a whole new way. And if that is you, please do so at this time. If you're here, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I see no hands raised. Then my second appeal is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you never accepted Jesus Christ and received the Spirit of God with evidence speaking other tongues. That has nothing to do with your salvation, but your salvation is based upon your faith in him. But you may want to know more about that gift. We have literature that we'll be glad to share with you, let you see what the scriptures say, and then you can deliberate and decide how you want to receive those scriptures. Not something that we force on anyone, but we just want to introduce you to something that you may not be aware of. And if that is you, just please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. And again, if you're online, just give us a call. My third appeal is for church membership. If you're here today and you're looking for a church home and uh, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart or there's something that's telling you that, hey, this is a place that you can come to be challenged to grow, to know more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. It would be an honor and a privilege to have you as a member of this body if that is your desire. If you're online, we invite you to do the same. Just give us a call. Give us a call. 
I see no hands there. My final appeal is for prayer time. And if you've got a prayer concern, if you want to come to the altar and stand and kneel and pray for yourself, or you can stand at your seat, or just set your heart and mind on prayer as you're seated. We believe that because of Jesus, you have the right to go to God and carry your concerns to him. So whatever it is, just open your heart up to the spirit and just be sensitive to what he's speaking to you at this moment of prayer. At this moment in time, just believe that he can reveal some things to you that you need to lift up to God in prayer. You know, he already knows, but he still expects us to come to him in prayer. He already knows. So it's not like you're going to surprise God with whatever it is that you take to him. But you got a right now to carry all your cares and your concerns to him. Ask that God will just minister to your hearts right now. And if you want to intercede for someone else, and as you're in this moment, in this Kairos moment in time, that you would allow the Spirit to reveal whoever that is that you need to be interceding for. Because we believe that the prayers of the righteous avail as much. If you're a righteous person sitting in this house today, I believe your prayers can get through on someone else's behalf. Hallelujah. 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 Let us pray. Father God, in the awesome and magnificent name of Jesus, Lord, we come and sanctify this time now that we come before your throne to make our requests and our petitions known unto you. And God, we just pray that you would incline your ear down now to hear our cry, hear our pleas, hear our concerns. God, we know that you're able to answer them. And God, we just ask that you just, if our heart is heavy, that you lift us up. God, we feel like we are broken. We just ask that you mend us back because we know that we're in your hands and you're well able. God, if we just come to lift up friends or family or someone that we know that is standing in the need of prayer, God, just give us that spirit of intercession so that we can intercede on others' behalf. God, we come with any challenges in our lives, health-wise, in our mind, God, in our soul, in our spirit, God, anything that is attacking us right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we raise up a standard against it because we realize we got the name that is above every name. So, God, we cry out in Jesus' name because he is our Savior. He is our, our defender. He is our high priest. He is our all in all. And so, Father, we thank you for the privilege to, uh, to use that name whenever we need to use it. And, God, we just ask now that as we continue to, to, to seek your face and continue to serve you to the best of our ability, that, God, you will continue to speak to us by your spirit. Let your spirit bear witness with our spirit, God, as we serve you in this earth. And as we leave this place today, God, we pray that, that you will touch our hearts so that we can be that light out in the midst of darkness, that we will go out and represent you, God, and represent your kingdom and act like we are citizens of heaven, even though we're living in the earth for your purpose. And so, God, we thank you for counting us worthy, God, to be on your team. And, God, we declare and decree we fight together, and we won't let you down. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will.